and it's your hand, it's the pen, but then God is moving your hand to almost like he's controlling your movements, right? You're in this, you're in a state of neutral and he's writing this out, kind of a, a Christian Ouija board. So you're, so you're conscious, but your hand is moving independent of your own control? <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, because I, I, I didn't know. I'm like, what does inspiration mean? Welcome to Switching Lenses, a podcast that takes current issues and events within the culture and defends the Christian position from an apologetical and biblical lens. Now, here are your hosts, Shane Skirvin and Josh Phillips. Welcome, everybody, to the Switching Lenses podcast. Shane, it has been a long time since we've recorded. Yes, it has been a long time. It has been a long time since we have done this, but uh, we've, we've both had a lot going on, and even though we've both been really, really busy with a lot of things, we've actually been taking this time. We haven't forgotten about the podcast. We, yeah. we actually talked about it quite a bit, but we've actually made some changes. We decided to kind of retool a little bit during this time. It, um, it just kind of happened to work that way. We just happened to have a lot going on and thought, well, well I got this going on. Let's just sort of, maybe we did the podcast just a little bit different. So we want to kind of open up this episode just very, very briefly talking about how we've how the podcast is going to look now. It's going to look a little bit different. And the first change that we're having is we're actually going to a season format. And we've been doing the podcast for a while now, but it's always just been, you know, the occasional episode that came out based on something that was going on politically or in the news or whatever it might be. But now we're actually going to kind of change it and have seasons. And each season is actually going to have a theme behind it. In fact, this first season we're going to have here in season one is going to have the theme. We're going to title it what is truth? And Shane, we're going to tackle that. We're going to tackle that question. What is truth? And every episode in season one, every episode that's a part of this season is going to be directed at that question. What is truth? And the way we're going to do this, we're going to start with what better place to start, but God's word. We're going to talk about the Bible and we're going to answer multiple different types of questions about the Bible. How did it get put together? Why do we have so many translations? What about textual variants? How do we read the Bible? How do we deal with verses that appear to be contradictory? We're going to get into all these kind of big questions that people have about God's word. And so in this first episode, we're going to talk about the Old Testament. We're going to ask the question, how was our Bible put together? More specifically, how was our Old Testament put together? All right, Shane, we're about to get into this of how the Old Testament was put together. But before we do that, I think there's a major, a major point that we need to drive home that I think needs to be in the back of everybody's mind as we cover all of this. And it's this. Oftentimes people will criticize the Bible. They'll criticize it in various ways that we're not going to get into uh, all the specific criticisms. But when there's a criticism I think in order for it to be validated, you first have to establish a standard by which to judge whether or not something came from God or not. So what I'm, what I'm getting at is I think people have, they, they'll criticize the Bible, but when you press them and ask them, well, how, how would you say, how, how would you say that this came from God? You know, they, they don't have an answer usually in my experience. So, so what I'm so what I'm getting at here is, I think people come; they just come critically, but 
but in the back of their mind, they have no standard by which to judge it. Does, does that make sense, Shane? Oh, totally. Yeah, you have to, um, as uh, as often been said, you know, you have to doubt your doubts, right? You can't criticize from a perspective and then not have this, uh, you know, this assumed standard like you're talking about that no one questions, but you're using it to question everything else. And yeah. so to be fair, you know, we, we have to examine what is the criteria, right? What right. is the, the bar that we're looking at? Where did that come from on how we're evaluating the claims of the Bible? Right. Or so, even so the Bible I, itself. Well, yeah, yeah, you're right. And, and what I think people, well, to, to give an example, somebody could say, well, the Bible was written by humans. And so therefore, you know, I, I can't fully trust it as God. But then you, but then you press and go, okay, well, uh, what, what, what would it take for you? What kind of evidence would you need or what kind of proof would you need to where you would say, yes, that came from God? Yeah. And, I mean, that's a great, you, I remember. Yeah. And you, you, can, you can even throw examples like, well, did God need to like drop something from the sky down to you, to somebody? Well, I, I, like I've pointed this out to people before, like they didn't need to drop down to somebody, but then would you have questioned that somebody too? You see what I'm saying? Like you still bring that sort oh, of yeah. well, critical well, side. Well, it's the same thing. You don't accept, uh, if you don't accept talk of miracles or magic, but then you insist it has to be a magical foundation, right? It has to drop from the sky <laughs> yeah. or or be miraculous to get it in your hand. But then, yeah, I mean, to me, that's, you have to examine what it would look like for a person to accept the authority of the Bible. Yes. And what is to, the criteria being used? And we want to invite everybody that's listening right now, going forward, What what is your standard? Do you, do you hold... A standard, and I and I think most people, to be honest, don't. No, I I don't. Th- I, I think they do have a standard, but they've never examined it. Okay, so that, I, I mean, which which is which is really it's the same thing you're saying, but because you're saying it's something they haven't looked at directly, they're using it right. to look at everything else, but then they haven't examined what is this foundational standard of which they're applying to see if something's true or not. Right. I think that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, yeah. So. Just, just real quick before we get into this, too, to kind of wrap this up. There's been a lot of uh, misconceptions about how the Bible came together. I mean, how about, what about you? But personal experience. How about how, whenever you were younger, as a as a young Christian, how how did you think the Bible came together? You know, I I would say that I thought, you know, I wasn't sure when I heard well, this is from God. I assumed, you know, people wrote it down, but it was kind of like this. Um, what, what was the word? Automatic writing, which is mm-hmm. this idea that you just hold the pen in your hand and it's your hand, it's the pen, but then God is moving your hand to almost almost like he's controlling your movements, right? You're in this, you're in a state of neutral and he's writing this out, kind of a, a Christian Ouija board. So you're, so you're conscious, but your hand is moving independent of your own control. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Cause I, I didn't know. I'm like, what does inspiration mean? What, when Christian said this, what is, is that what this means? And that's I mean, called I, automatic I, writing. Is that yeah, automatic yeah, writing? Yeah. It's that idea that your, your hand is being moved by a power other than yourself to write down um, words. I think I, I kind of thought I, I had a couple ideas. Like when I was younger, uh, I think when I was really young, I didn't even really have an idea. I was like, oh, it's just from, I, you know, I, I was told it was from God and just, okay, just accepted it. And then I got a little bit older and I was like, well, how did it come to like, I had th- that kind of idea that they, they had lost uh, no control or the fact they weren't even conscious. Oh, like, like they were sleep writing. Kind of, yeah. Like they wrote all this and then <laughs> they're like, oh well, yeah, I came back and was like, oh wow, look what I just wrote. And 
Because there were some was... homework. There were some homework deadlines that would have been really. <laughs> that would have been really beneficial. <laughs> Catch some Z's while you're doing the work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that, that's kind of what I thought uh, growing up. Um, and then uh, it wasn't until I was, you know, started, actually started looking into this. So I was like, that's, that's ridiculous. Well, well and I remember you, you talk about this bar of uh, standard uh, that we're using to judge the Bible. I remember walking by a restaurant in a restaurant and I heard a guy telling a woman, the Bible's foolish because it says thou shalt not kill. And I remember even then I was a, a young, uh, a new believer, but I remember thinking, I'm pretty sure that's Hebrew. I need to look that up. The Hebrew is <laughs> thou shalt not murder. Pretty sure that it's not a direct yeah. translation, you know, but he was using that standard like you're talking about. He was saying it's nonsensical, even though he didn't know what he was talking about. So it, it made me think of what, what we're, we're talking about. He was using a standard that wasn't even a good one and throwing <laughs> the Bible out. Uh, the Old Testament out because of it. I know, and it, it, it's it's pretty common too. That's and that's why I wanted to bring it up. Uh, I think it's pretty important. And yeah, I just think it's it's important that we we ask ourselves that question. Like, what what is that standard? Um, last thing, like, we'll at the end on this is probably I feel like the most one of the most common thoughts of how the Bible came to be, and it's it's often referenced as a joke. But I think some people tend to think that and it's sort of the golden tablets dropped from the sky kind of thing. I think because I think when we hear this is from God. You know, and we have sort of all the characterizations of God being in, in the clouds and the sky, and therefore anything that came from him would drop down. And where the gold comes from, I'm not really sure, but <laughs> I mean, it's Mormonism, I, I suppose. I mean, I know that's, gold, those were gold tablets. Maybe maybe it comes from that. I'm not sure. But but they said the idea that these, these scriptures sort of manifested physically in front of somebody, and then these were copied onto whatever well, parchments or stones or whatever. But, you know, this begs the question that, you know, so it has to be, to be a supernatural book, it has to be supernatural means that I got here. Yet, you know, every person who ever arrived on earth, it was just a slow miracle. It was a miracle of existence, how they were created, right? right. But because it happens a lot and because it maybe happens a little bit over time, um, nine months, we act like it's not a miracle every time someone's born. But really it is, it doesn't have to look like, I, I mean, I just, I just think that has to be uh, said. It can be from God without being like what we're talking about, the golden tablets from yeah. the sky. Yeah. Yeah. That carries over to, yeah, to a lot of, a lot of other, a lot of other aspects, I think too. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. There, there is sort of, and, that, that, and again, that goes back to what we're saying. Like, what is, what is your standard? What does, in order for this to be from God, how does it have to look or how does it have to be? So how was the Old Testament collected? Shane, physically, like how, how did they write down the words in the Old Testament? Jewish tradition says that sheepskin was used. So leather. Leather, okay. Uh, what was a great, stable, well, long-lasting, anything important, and, and of course of length for unrolling on a scroll, uh, leather would be used. Did they use papyrus? Did they, did they use that? or Papyrus was used. It's just pretty fragile, but it, it was used. And also parchment was used in that area in the, in the Middle East, in particular that part of the Middle East, as uh, well as, you know, tradition says that the Ten Commandments at least were etched on stone. 
Okay. Yeah. We know. Yeah. We know that, right? We. Yeah. yeah. Know about the stone and the stone and all that. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, I remember. I remember from my school days of papyrus and learning about the Egyptians and things like that. But um, I guess I guess papyrus was probably probably too thin. Yeah, right? and and you're unrolling it in a scroll form, and so mm-hmm. you'd want to. You're constantly unrolling and reading and rolling it back, so you'd want something very durable. Yeah, that makes sense. And and, and too, but, like that's and that's how we would have copies today. I'd have to withstand all the weather because the papyrus, I kind of would think that maybe that would sort of deteriorate. Yeah. Yeah. Decompose kind of, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. Probably so. But, um, okay. So, so physically that's, that's what we know was contained on, um, or written on. Oh, well, well, the Dead Sea Scrolls, for example, parchment, papyrus, leather, all were represented in the Dead Sea Scrolls, okay. Okay. all forms. All right. Great. Cool. So, okay. So a few, a few different forms that that was written on. Um, and we and we know too that it was written on it, which is really interesting. When we look in the Bible, we actually see in Exodus um, one particular place where God is actually commanding Moses to write this down, like to write down all these words. Which is and so if we look at Exodus thirty four twenty seven, it says, "And the Lord said to Moses, Write these words, for in accordance with these words I have made a covenant with you and with Israel." So we see a command right there. Write this down. It wasn't just God interacting with humans, and it was just that. It's like, no, this was meant to be retained in some way. Oh, yeah, that's that's incredible. So the Bible, you could say, Josh, the Bible is God's idea, right? I mean, he <laughs> uh, commanded it be written. <laughs> almost like it's his word in a way, right? <laughs> but you know what, though? It's very important when we talk about this. I remember reading about our Native American culture, and they were saying because it wasn't a literate culture, all you could ever know is what your grandparents told you. Typically three generations, right? Mm-hmm. As far back as people could go. Oh. And so it's it's actually amazing that we have the Bible, right? I mean, right. writing is a miracle. And yeah. uh, the word glamorous comes from the word glamour, right? Yeah. I mean, it is amazing um, that we have what, the, what people that lived so long before us, and we would say how God interacted with people. It is an absolute treasure that we have that, right? I mean, this is how we can connect with the thoughts of both God and people and what they experience, we can be brought into their world, even though it's crossed thousands of years. And that's something we would probably take pretty lightly, given we have a day where we can write down anything we want to and somebody across, or I should say type something down and somebody across the world has access to it immediately. And so we can take something like that for granted, but yeah, you're right. Like there was probably, not pro- those probably weren't the only cultures that were really limited in how they could share the past and, and educate and things like that. But yeah, the written word, it's almost like it has a divine imprint, a divine intention uh, going through it. So, all right. So cool. So, all right. So we've, we've talked about how it's been written down. We know how, how it was physically written down. We see there was actually commands to do this from God. There's even another reference. I won't read it, but it's in Exodus 24 uh, verses three through four. We see it again right there. And so we have that. Now we've had all this stuff written. Okay. We have people writing books. There's lots of books in there. Was there ever an actual like canonization process? Well, real quick, actually, before we say that, Shane, what does that mean? What does canon actually mean? To canonize something? Yeah, canon means um, it, it's from the word, uh, the root word for like rule or standard. And right. so it's, does these writings, do they meet the standard to be kept, treasured? Uh, in our case, we'd say, do they meet the rule of being inspired by God? Yeah. Do they and make that claim? And is the evidence point to that right right is it right. validated okay. yeah I, yeah i feel like we should we should mention that before 
actually asked this question. So yeah, because some people might not even know what cannon, what are you what, shooting cannons? What are you talking about? So yes, yeah, so we're yeah. talking about a standard that has to be held. Uh, was this, was this from God? Was this divine? Was this, is this authoritative? So was there an actual canonization process with all these books that were being written back in this time before the time of Jesus, all, all these times, was there a canonization process? So there, there, there was, there was even, you know, there's discussion about certain books. Did they, did they meet the criteria of the stand, you know, of the standard or the canon? There was even supposedly a council that within the Judaism that was evaluating books and accepted certain books, maybe said other books were important, but weren't part of the, the Old Testament canon. Yeah, I've heard this uh, before. That, yeah, yeah. But it's not, it is definitely not, it, it's, it's a lot long ago and it's not, we don't know as much about it as we do, of course, the New Testament. So right. it's a little bit shrouded in, in antiquity. Um, there looks like there was, you know, we see, it was a mo- lot more recent, the discussion and the disputing of the New Testament canon, right? A lot more. Right. We, we know firsthand of the lively debates that were, were happened in some of the discussions. But it, it sounds like within Judaism, there was, but it was not near as much. So like we don't really, or we could say it, so we don't really know of an official canonization process or, or time it took place. But we do know that there were large, 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 the majority of, or if not all people recognizing that a, a canonization process had taken place because people were recognizing specific books as authoritative and others as not. Yeah, yeah. And and there was these idea that these books flowed with, okay, so Moses writing the claim that the Bible says, like you said, you read in Exodus, is that Moses experienced these encounters with God and then was commanded to write them down. And so any of the books that follow, like the prophets, the history, the poetry has to not violate, it has to be consistent with the first five books or the, the oh, okay. what's called the Torah. Yeah. So there was this idea that there was a consistency with the original message. Okay. That, that makes sense. Like you said, you know, we're, we're, we're familiar with that process of. Yeah. We're all not- rash. Yeah. Yeah. Humans are always, not always, <laughs> but humans, <laughs> um, rationality speaks to all people in all, all cultures. And so there was this idea that we recognize that you don't want it. There was a move of God and things flowed with that movement or they didn't flow with that movement, right? What right. God was doing in history right? and right. his character, right? Certain things. I mean, the Bible describes certain activity and saying this would never, God would never do this. God would never command this like child sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and that's why you see the wrestling with Abraham um, and Isaac, um, he, what Abraham knew of God when God um, asked him to sacrifice Isaac, you know, he, it's like, this isn't how God is. This isn't his character. Right. Yeah. And that, that goes back to, you know, the, the whole talking about canonization, this, this sort of measuring stick, this uh, way of comparison. Like, so we, we make sure there's no, no contradictions with that for sure. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So we've talked about the, the written side of it. Um, now let's get talk to, let's talk about the, the oral side of the verbal side of it. Uh, cause this was actually pretty important. And a lot of the transmission of the Hebrew Bible of the old Testament was an oral transmission. Let's talk a little bit about this. And now Shane, now help me out here. 
we've all heard the common accusation about when we talk about the oral transmission of the Old Testament, that it's similar to the game of telephone. And that if you're not familiar with the game of telephone, it's the game where you whisper something into one person's ear and they whisper it to someone else and someone else's. And by the time it gets all the way back around, the message has been so jumbled and it's nothing close to the original message. And so some people use this as an accusation saying, well, this is, this is because of the game telephone, this probably happened. But Shane, talk a little bit about how that's really not a fair comparison with this. No, because our culture is so um, different than the culture that's represented in the Old Testament. And oral tradition was how they passed these really important stories, these foundational cultural truths. And so it was was much more formal than any kind of game. It was these foundational truths that are being passed from one generation to the other. And so uh, it, w- it was much stricter, much more word-for-word transmission. Well, I think... Uh- you know, one reason why I think I think the comparison is unfair is when you have the game of telephone, you have, uh, you know, a single message restricted to one person whenever it's being communicated. Whereas in this type of culture they were living in, this type of society, you know, everybody, everybody had the message. Everybody had it. So if somebody decided to get out of line and start saying something that was adverse to that message or something that contradicted it, you had an entire community of people that would hear that and say, no, 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 that's actually not how it was. And so that's it where it's actually te- the reverse. It was actually the reverse of the telephone game. Yeah, exactly. That's why the telephone game is such, it's such an unfair comparison and it doesn't work at all. And I, I think that's what's really, what's really cool about their community is like they, they knew their scriptures so well and I think this is hard for some people to understand just because we're now a culture for whatever reason, we struggle with memorization. You know, I mean, we, we, it's, it's different, right? I, th- I think we have uh, so much things, so many things distracting us and occupying our minds that we don't actually kind of cultivate that skill of memorization like other people did when they obviously lived in a much, much different time. We hear stories of people having entire books of the Bible memorized. And that seems so foreign to us, again, because we don't cultivate that skill. It was a very, very, very different culture back then. And so it's unfair to compare our modern culture with, with silly little games like telephone to that ancient culture like that. And and there was great emphasis placed on, like you said, the memorization. We don't have anything in our culture that emphasizes those memorization skills the same way. Mm-hmm. We don't have to, right? We, we know we can just look it up. We can <laughs> exactly. exactly. Like in my, my math classes, I teach some people don't want to actually learn math. Like, well, I can just use a calculator, right? And it's like we were losing skills because of technology we have. So yeah, it's a, that's an excellent point. Excellent point. The last thing I like to talk about, and I really want to nail this home, is at some point when we're examining what the Bible, what the Bible has, we'll just talk specifically about the Old Testament, the books that are in there, right? At some point, you have to ask the question, are these writings historical accounts of, of actual events and actual encounters people had with God? I think sometimes people tend to say, well, the Bible is biased. But it's like, well, hold on a second. For, for one, the Old Testament, <clears throat> multiple authors, correct? <laughs> it's not one person. Yes writing this whole thing. And it's not one, it's not even multiple authors in one period of time. 
it spans hundreds of years, multiple authors over hundreds of years. And so when you want to start bringing this claim of bias in there, I think it falls apart pretty quickly, given what I just explained. So I think we have to come come to the table here and ask, well, hold on a second. These books that we have, these are these are historical documents we found. This is just like other documents that we have that we read in our history book about other, other types of knowledge we have about ancient civilizations. This is the same thing. And so the fair question is asked is, well, why do we take those other ones as truth when we go through our history books and whatnot, but we look at the Bible and we say, oh, these, these no, this is biased in some way. If these are actual historical documents, then we have to say, wait a second, these must be actual events. And when people encountered God and writ, wrote this down and made these claims, these are actual encounters people had with God. Now, I think one last point to make on this, and perhaps maybe the best point to make, is that when we read through the New Testament, we see Jesus referring back, back to the Old Testament, back to the Hebrew Bible as the scriptures. He says, the scriptures say, or he'll say, as it is written. So we have Jesus there making this point and and validating that these scriptures were from God and he used them as references, which I feel like is probably the best point to make. Oh man, absolutely. He um, quoted them as a authoritative. He quoted them in, in when he was being tempted by dark spiritual powers. I mean, the way his relationship with scripture is stunning to see, and it's, it's absolutely foundational in his life. And I'd love uh, one time when questioned, Jesus quoted Psalms and he referred to it as the law. I mean, he looked oh, at the entire body of the Old Testament and he said, it all has the same authority. It all has the same authority, just like how you'd end a dispute or how we use law today in, in a section that sometimes people don't realize carries just as much weight, right? As, right, yeah. as the law. Yeah, the, the uh, Psalms. And so, yeah. G- Jesus just where we get our worship a, songs from, huh? Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, he said it was like the, uh, he equated it to the same as the first five books of the Bible, which are, are called the Torah or the law, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. We'll, we'll end it right there, Shane. And uh, we're, we did it. We got an episode we haven't recorded in so long. <laughs> we did it. We're rolling now, though. We got season one is coming, guys. Uh, we're really, really excited to do this. Um, we're going somewhere with this. There is a cool little flow we have with all the coming episodes. And so the next episode, stay tuned. We're going to be talking about the New Testament. How was the New Testament put together? Uh, I feel like this one gets the most scrutiny. So this is going to be a fun one to tackle. We're going to really get into this. We hope to see you there. Uh, follow us on all of our all of our social media. You can come check us out at our website at switchinglenspodcast.com where we have all of our episodes on there and some blog articles and other things like that. You can feature us on Twitter at Lenses Switching. And of course, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. And if you have any questions, comments, would like to contact the show in any way, you can reach us at feedback at switchinglenspodcast.com. Well, Shane, we're going to wrap this up. It's been great. It's been great podcasting with you. It's been great talking with you and covering this. Likewise. And everybody, we will see you next time.